0: Who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Sunday. Yep, I love doing these Sunday shows. We have such amazing guests all week long. Amanda and I do on the Just the News, Not Noise television show. And these interviews are thoughtful. They're longer than the normal TV interview. People get a chance to actually answer questions and not get cut off. And we love when that happens. And so every week we try to adapt our favorite interviews from the television show for a special Sunday podcast right here on John Solomon Reports. And today, this Sunday, no different. What a lineup. We've got Congressman James Comer, the man who's most likely to be the chairman of the House Oversight Committee next year if Republicans win the House back in Congress. He's going to lay out his investigative agenda. What he thinks of the 87,000 IRS agents. What he thinks of the FBI raid on Donald Trump's home. Lots to talk about with Congressman Comer from the great state of Kentucky. And then we're going to go down to Texas. Congressman Troy Nelson, I love talking to him. He's got a great book out and the truth that Washington won't tell America. We're going to talk about that and all of his thoughts about what's been going on in Congress, including the Inflation Reduction Act, which, by the way, though it's worded that way, it actually doesn't reduce inflation, according to all the economists, and more importantly, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office. And you know what? We know it doesn't reduce inflation because as soon as they passed it, Democrats started calling it the climate bill. They literally backed off the whole false claim that it was an Inflation Reduction Act. How about that? Paul Manafort, yep, one of the key figures of the Russia collusion investigation, sent to prison. He's going to tell us what it was like when Donald Trump called him and told him he was getting a pardon. He was getting out of prison. He's going to tell you what he thinks about the state of the FBI, the Justice Department, the IRS, the weaponization of federal law enforcement to go after political enemies. Paul Manafort, exclusive interview we had earlier this week, a lot of news in that. And then we'll turn to the COVID pandemic, because the only thing... I can say about Washington right now is if you're in a bike lane, we have bike lanes all over Washington. It seems like everybody I know is pedaling backwards in the lane. You know why? They work for the CDC, the FDA, the NIH, and all three of those agents are saying, oh, we got everything wrong about the pandemic. Oops. Well, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya didn't get it wrong. He had it right. He was villainized that. He was called a heretic. He was accused of jeopardizing public safety. It turns out his advice was the right advice, and Anthony Fauci's was the wrong. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya from Stanford University here, and then we'll wrap up the week thinking about gas prices. Yeah, they're down a little bit. Maybe you're tempted to drive a little bit this week and go for a country ride in the beautiful summer weather. Do it now, because gas prices are going to be going up. I think that's what you're going to hear, without a doubt, from him this weekend. All right, have a great show. We'll be right back after this commercial break. House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code justnews. That's promo code justnews at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait, go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code justnews for 15% off. Folks, Factors Delicious, ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre prepared, chef crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. at Factormeals.com. One more time, Factormeals.com slash Just News 50. Use the Just News 50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. We have somebody that understands oversight and oversight of the FBI quite well. He's the ranking Republican on the House Oversight and Reform Committee and has been steadfast in his uh, raising alarm of government corruption and the need for a fair and non-political justice system right here in America. He is... Congressman Comer from the great state of Kentucky. Congressman, great to have you on today.
1: Thanks for having me on, John. Uh,
0: I want to get your reaction. We've now had about a week to absorb this dramatic raid. We're seeing what the FBI did and didn't take. We're hearing from the president what he thinks going on. As a member of Congress with oversight of the Justice Department, what do you think about this raid?
1: Well, I'm still very confused. I, I haven't seen the justification for it. And this is a dangerous precedent set by the FBI. The FBI, which, as you know, is an organization that I've had a lot of issues with over the past three years from an oversight standpoint. Uh, A lot of the information that they have provided Congress has been inaccurate. Uh, They are not transparent at all with their budget. And, you know, they continue to, it seems, uh, politicize an agency and go after uh, political adversaries. So I'm very concerned about it. Uh, We have jurisdiction over the National Archives. We've requested information from the National Archives as to uh, respect with any communication they had with the FBI. Is this some bureaucrat at the National Archives who asked the FBI to go in and do this? Who who is the FBI relying on uh, to go in and do what they did to the former president of the United States? That's one of the things we're trying to get to the bottom of right now.
0: Yeah, important stuff.
2: Yeah. And, and Congressman, depending on obviously what happens in the midterms, if you assume that role as chairman of House Oversight Committee, you have been very bold in, in talking about the fact that when Republicans assume the new Congress in January, that you definitely want to investigate, uh, the origins of COVID and Hunter Biden. I would imagine that this is going to be on that list as well, but there are people Mueller associates within the DOJ, uh, Carlin, Lisa Monaco, these folks who I think really don't want to let go of of anything related to Russia documents that President Trump wanted released. Do you foresee a lot of pushback coming from those folks?
1: I, I plan on uh, going to war with some of these federal agencies. You know, it's something that Devin Nunes always said, and uh, regretfully, I agree with that they're, the deep state is real. And what we have are these federal bureaucracies that are fighting back. Uh, they see the uh, the tide is turning. They see the American people are going to go out in waves, hopefully in a few months, and vote for a, a new majority in Congress. And we're serious about oversight. Kevin McCarthy says that in every interview. Uh, you see people like myself and Jim Jordan and Mike Turner who are going to be on the front lines of providing oversight with some of these federal agencies, especially these intelligent agencies that appear that they've uh, worked to censor conservatives and work to harass and, uh, you know, do things with political adversaries that no agency's ever done before. So we want to know exactly why they're doing some of the things that we're doing. And when you hear Republicans say we want to hold them accountable, one way that I plan on holding these agencies accountable is, is their budget. You know, that's their lifeline. That's their, you know, their, their manna from heaven is the the money that Congress allocates to them. In the past, I don't think Congress has been very serious about providing oversight, asking for accountability and transparency from these agencies because they were, for whatever reason, above the fray, like the military. But I don't think they're above the fray anymore. And I can tell you, if we have a Republican majority, we're gonna go down their budget line by line and they can't hide behind uh, classified anymore. We are going, if we have to go in a room uh, with with and, and sign off that we won't say what they spent this money on, so be it. But we're going to know exactly where every penny is going. And I foresee uh, some budget cuts in the very near future in, if not major reform, for agencies like the FBI.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, and speaking of budget and taxpayer dollars being spent, you have a brand new letter out there with Congresswoman. Alisa Stefanik asking, why does the FBI director taking personal travel on a federal jet? Tell us a little bit of why that is so concerning to you.
1: Well, we're already going down the list in their budget. Uh, what is transparent? And one thing that uh, you can tell is that uh, the director has taken several trips on this uh, government jet, uh, which is OK as long as you pay him back if it's for personal reasons. And he's said in a, uh, under oath in a congressional testimony uh, last week that he was going on a family vacation. They had to cut the hearing short. So uh, there's no record of him ever reimbursing the agency. Uh, these are the sorts of things that uh, Congress is going to go down, and we're already doing that because uh, I'm frustrated with all the money that's being wasted by this Democrat majority and by the Biden administration. I'm sick and tired of voting no on all these tax increases and still somehow there being enough Democrats to pass them. Uh, the very least that we can do as Republicans while we're in a minority is, is go over and highlight the uh, the wasteful, abusive spending. And this is one area. And we're going to continue to do that. There are some pick ticket items in the intelligence community w- within their budget and no one in Congress knows where they're going. Just like a lot of the money going to Ukraine, nobody knows exactly where it's going. We say, "All right, we sent forty billion to Ukraine, and ten billion was for humanitarian relief." Well, I want to. I want you to be more specific than that. And that's going to be a major change if the Republicans become the majority. We want accountability from this administration, and the FBI has just been uh, too liberal for too long with their spending habits, and that's why Elise Stefanik and I are are questioning this, and this is just the beginning.
2: Yeah, I, I remember when Director Ray actually cut short his testimony before the mm-hmm. Senate to hop on Sorry. this jet. People thought it was for official business when, in fact, it was for vacation, the temerity of which is, is remarkable. But I wanted to ask you, with respect to the raid on Mar-a-Lago last week, I know that you are one of those congressmen who actually listens to your constituents. You keep your ear on the ground to hear from folks in your district. Um, it seems to me that the public sentiment around this is, is pretty equally weighted on both sides. There are people who have been lifelong Democrats. They've always voted Democrat. They voted for Joe Biden, but they look at something like this and they think to themselves, if they can raid the compound of a former president, they can definitely come after me. What are you hearing from your voters?
1: I see. People have questions and they want answers. Why did this happen? And thus far, we, we've received no specific answers or classified information. Well, We want you to be a little bit more specific in that. Is a handwritten note from Kim Jong-un to to Donald Trump, is that classified information that would require the FBI to go in and bust in the former president of the United States resident and uh, without supervision and and get whatever they want? I mean, I I don't think so. Uh, So they're gonna have to be more specific than that. But I can tell you this, if the FBI is being political, which I highly suspect, and they tried to do something to either embarrass Donald Trump or do something to try to get some kind of uh, uh, minor felony against him to prevent him from running for re-election, this has backfired greatly on mm-hmm. that bureaucracy if they have done that because the people out there are furious. The people who support Trump uh, support him now more than ever. Uh, there is a movement out there of frustration. Uh, you mentioned it in in the swamp. There, there's a high level of frustration with the swamp. And it's not just that they're going to kick The Democrats out hopefully in November from being the majority. It's also that they want Republicans to do what we say we're going to do and hold this administration accountable and try to rein in spending and try to rein in these out-of-control bureaucracies like the FBI. Yeah,
0: so important. Just real quickly, about 20 seconds left, sir. Uh, The Justice Department still has the declassified set of Russia collusion documents. They're not in the archives, even though they're a presidential record. Will you go get them, Mr. Chairman?
1: Absolutely. We're going to do everything that's on our priority list, and the American people deserve answers because they put the American people through a lot for two years. The the FBI and Adam Schiff on something that we
0: know now is not true. Wow, that's so true, sir. We're so glad to hear that, and we really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Folks, as we leave that conversation with the congressman, on that note, we'll be right back. who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us justnews. That's amac.us justnews and extend the invitation to a friend or a family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out.
2: Welcome back, everybody. Joining us now is a former sheriff who carries that same attitude as a congressman by putting up with absolutely no liberal BS. He even found a little time to author a new book that you can get now called The Big Fraud, What Democrats Don't Want You to Know About January 6th, the 2020 election, and a whole lot else. Congressman Troy Nels of Texas, I think you already know this. You're one of our favorites. Welcome back.
3: Amanda, it's good to be with you.
2: Okay. I want to, before we start with any of the political topics of the day, obviously last Monday is something we want to get your take on, but president Trump called your book, a must read for all Americans. Uh, what do you think is one of his personal favorite parts of the book?
3: <laughs> well, I, I th- well, thank you, Amanda. And, and I'm so proud to have the president's uh, endorsement on this book because it, it's not about me. The book is about him. Uh, you find many people writing books. It's all about themselves. This book focuses on Donald Trump, the January 6th sham committee. It's the counter narrative to Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney. And it's all truth. Uh, And and so it talks about the 2020 election and the the swing states and and the, the fraud that was committed in 2020. And we get into topics such as COVID, the riots of 2020, and then we dive back into January 6th. So I think the president supports it because there's a lot of truth that we're not hearing from the sham committee. And that's why he's endorsed this and wants the American people to read it. Well, one of the
0: uh, most high-profile figures of that committee, Liz Cheney, the Republican who decided to join Democrats in a one-sided investigation. The voters of Wyoming spoke with a thunderous noise last night. Your take on the primary and then the post-primary concession speech where Liz Cheney actually compared herself, I'm not making this up, to Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, I, I find that. Well, number one, I think Liz realized that her hatred
3: for Donald Trump is misplaced. I don't know what it is. But once she she doesn't like Donald Trump, it's very clear she should have never accepted a position on that sham committee. But honestly, her hatred to Donald Trump is is what's on her mind when she wakes up and has breakfast. And we shouldn't when she goes to bed at night. She despises the man. Well, quite honestly, her entire family does. So she's out to get Donald Trump. Wrong move, Liz. Wrong move. And then to put her name in the same sentence or anything with with Abe Lincoln, Liz you didn't free any slaves you didn't do that and abe was known as honest abe liz you're a liar you're a liar
2: yeah i think that john articulated it pretty pretty perfectly yesterday in one of his articles you know you have a family Liz Cheney, who, like her father, was just consumed with these personal grievances and vendettas, of course, with her father. It was with Saddam Hussein. But uh, I think that you're right. I think the people of Wyoming definitely spoke resoundingly and uh, frankly, don't think it could have happened to a more deserving person. I wanted to talk to you about last Monday. And because you're one of our favorite folks to have on here, because we respect your opinion so much, what are your initial thoughts or what were your initial thoughts when that raid went down last Monday at Mar-a-Lago?
3: Well, what we're uncovering, I think, is it it stinks to high heaven. You know Garland and, and the DOJ and the FBI have been after Trump. They've been after Trump for years. If you look at the Russia collusion, we've all talked about how they have weaponized the FBI against individuals with dissenting points of view. And they've been after Donald Trump forever. So what they do is they find a confidential informant to come up with some story. And by the way, your viewers have to understand that confidential informer in his affidavit never has to be identified. We may never know who that person truly is. So they come up with some probable cause, find the the weak judge, the liberal judge there, and now they're in mar lagos home. But the question is, the FBI, they knew, the DOJ, they were in his mar lago back in June. They knew where the boxes were. They provided Donald an extra lock to secure that, why did it take nine hours? If you knew where the boxes were, and even if there were 50 of them, 11, 13, 50 of them, it shouldn't take you nine hours. They were in mar lago to find something else. They know that this is gonna be a weak case on these classified or not classified documents. They're trying to find something else to find a criminal charge on Donald Trump to keep him off the ballot in 2020. It was nine hours. You knew where the boxes were. Shouldn't take you nine hours to carry a few boxes out of mar lago Ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and you did law enforcement. You know what it takes to do a search warrant. This is an unusual search. I want to ask you about something that, whether you agree with the search or not, the FBI had to know this was going to be the most famous search in recent American history and that there would be a lot of scrutiny, and yet they're gathering things up like a passport. I think we know the difference between a presidential record and a passport. They're grabbing documents that are marked privileged Um, the idea that they didn't even have regard for things that just in basic police academy, you learn, what does it say about the cavalier attitude of the FBI on this raid?
3: What it says is that they don't mind violating someone's rights. They will go to the depths of the ocean to destroy this president. John, this is about 2024, brother. I, I, I always said to myself, listen, sleepy Joe, what's your problem with Donald Trump? He's been out of office 18 months. You beat him by 7 million popular votes you crush him in the Electoral College, you would think you would want him to come back in 2024. Why wouldn't you want him to come back in 2024? You breeze through it in 2020. 2024 shouldn't be no different. But what he what he's being told by those in the inner circle and those that know a little bit about elections, they're saying, hey, Joe, in 2020, we rigged it. We rigged the election. You're not going to be able to beat him in 2024. We got to find a way to keep him off the ballot.
2: Congressman, I want to switch gears to the Inflation Reduction Act. When, when I hear that there is more funding for the IRS, whether that's dollars and cents or humans, like 87,000 new IRS agents, I have to uh, question what they've said in the past as far as when they, they try to pass off the narrative, we're not going to go for the, the, the poor people in America. We're not even going to go for the middle class. We're just trying to even everything out. We're going to go after the rich people. Well, Joe Manchin, in order to get this passed, said that he was going to ensure that IRS agents don't target the poor. And I just got to say, I'm not buying it. I don't see that happening.
3: They're they're going after every American. I think they're going to focus on the middle class. And, you know, if you've ever been audited, I'm sure that makes you a little nervous. and, And you're thinking you may get called to go into this office and you're going to see somebody sitting at a desk with some pocket protectors, with some pens and pencils, and he's going to have glasses. He's going to be looking down at documents papers and looking at zeros and decimal points. These 87,000 agents, I mean, some of these are going to have treasury badges with guns on that say, you may have to resort to deadly force if need be. No, these individuals are being weaponized now to go against the American people, go after the American people. They'll find a way to get search warrants to get into your house. They'll go in, they'll take your computer and your filing cabinet and they'll go back and try to look at tax records for the past 10 years. They're trying to find a way to generate revenue because we're in yeah. debt. They spend so much damn money. They're trying to go against and, and put it on the backs of the American people. Shameful.
2: Yep. As Shameful. always, the American people end up paying for it. What's the quote? You'll either pay for it on the front end or you'll pay for it up the back end. And that, I think, is what typically always happens. Congressman Troy Nels, we appreciate you being with us. And we will be right back after these commercials.
0: Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home Find out for free when you use my code news at signup. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code news. That's the promo code news at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. I think a person who knows a thing or two about the FBI and the Justice Department, it's long reach and sometimes it's fumbling hands, is joining us right now. He's Paul Manafort, President Trump's former chairman of of his uh, 2016 campaign and the author of a fantastic new book called Political Prisoner. You have to get this, guys. An amazing read. It takes you on a journey of what it's like to be in the crosshairs of the Justice Department. Paul, great to have you on the show today. Thank you, John. Good to see you, Amanda. Great to have you on, sir. I want to ask you, everybody has a reason for writing a book. This one feels very personal. When you read the book, it's a, you're on a journey. Tell us a little bit about the inspiration, what you hope Americans take from the book. Well, I want Americans
4: to understand the truth and who, who I am because the Paul Manafort that was defined between 2016 and, uh, and 2020 is not who I am and does not reflect anything that's true. Um, you know, in the book, It talks about, not just my experience, though, it puts in context what I was going through with the issues that country has to be worried about, the constitutional issues, because uh, what you're seeing last week with President Trump is another very high level uh, of weaponization of our justice system. But there are many more instances going on below the surface. Some of it you saw with parents going to school board meetings and victims of crime and some of people who are in jail for protesting in, in a way that was totally legitimate on January 6th. Um, so the issues that I talk about in my book focus on my experience, but they deal with constitutional questions that our country is facing right now.
5: Very
0: important.
2: Yeah, thought. Paul, and, and I don't want to step on the toes of your book, but I am interested, pardon the blunt nature of my question. Uh, what was it like being in federal prison? And and furthermore on, on the more human side do you feel bitterness towards towards your country or the justice system for the way that you were treated?
4: Well, let me answer the second part of your question first. The answer is no. Um, uh, do I feel bitterness towards some people? Well, I feel uh, I was I mean, at the time I was angry, but I've gotten over that, frankly. I, 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 the way I got through prison, which is the first part of your question, and in particular solitary confinement for, for over 10 months, was I put myself into the present. I would, did not want to look at, why am I here? What's going on? This isn't fair, because that was not going to solve any of my problems. Uh, and I kind of relied on faith, I relied on my family, and I relied on the fact that I knew I was innocent. I knew that my role in the next two years at that point was to do everything I could to position myself to re- remedy the the abuse my character had taken. I knew I couldn't do it in the middle of that storm, it was like a tsunami. Uh, everything was coordinated, as you see with, with what's going on with President Trump now. You know, anonymous leaks, um, favored news, news reporters getting the leaks, uh, them setting up the, the nomenclature and the right words and everybody else picking on it, creating a, uh, a conviction in what I call the court of public opinion, because that's what it was all about with me. That's what it's about with President Trump right now. Uh, they're trying to convict him in the court of public opinion because they fear his return. And they know what that will mean with a man who spent four years learning about Washington in even greater detail at coming back into power if they choose running. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I'm not bitter. I'm at peace. Uh, I wrote this book to tell the truth, to get it out there. It was easy to write uh, because it was the truth. I didn't have to think, well, what did I say or what did I do or any of that kind of stuff. And once I put the pen down and it was over, uh, I, I moved on with my life.
0: Yeah, it's a remarkable story. I I want to ask you about a great moment in the book, the moment you get uh, the word that President Trump has pardoned you, you're going to be freed from prison. Um, What was that like? And what was going through your mind in those next 24 hours after you realized there's been a life-changing moment in this very dark story?
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously throughout the whole time of that crisis, that was always in the back of my mind, but I never reached out to the White House. I, I knew that was not the smart thing to do, or not the political thing to do for me or for the president. And I was not going to put another issue in front of him that could get exploited by the media against him. Uh, but I always felt that he knew I was doing the right thing, and and that at some point, when the politics, you know, I thought it was going to be after a successful reelection, uh, that uh, that I would experience the part. Um, but even ex- hoping for it, getting the it, it, word that it was happening was just like a rush in my life that I can't even explain. I, the, I didn't know the pressure and the anxiety that I was feeling until I, I got word that the, the pardon was going to be coming that afternoon. And then when he called, it, uh, it was a very emotional moment. I mean, when I found out in the morning that the pardon was going to be happening, I went and woke up my wife, and we just held each other in pride. It's that kind of boom.
0: Wow powerful.
2: Yeah, I imagine that will be a a day that you don't quickly let slip from your memory for a very long time. I I, I wanted to ask you, though, oftentimes, whether it's the Republican side or the Democrat side, you see things happening to your own party and you have a tendency to think, oh, well, this this three-letter organization is obviously weaponized against my side. But you look at what happened eight days ago, President Trump's house being raided, Peter Navarro arrested so publicly, Steve Bannon's contempt of Congress trial, do you think that there is a legitimate argument that the DOJ and the FBI, as well, has been politically weaponized?
4: Uh, yes, I definitely think that, and uh, I, and it's been weaponized for a long time. I mean, you know, again, through my experience, which I talk about in the book, you know, the 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 way they focused on me, you know, in, in what they claimed were my guilt. I mean, the fair violation that I was indicted on. I had resolved with the Department of Justice uh, and, and without any penalties, without any uh, criminality, with not even a civil slap, uh, because it was an opaque area of the law. I didn't think I needed to file. I dealt with the professionals in, in the fair unit. They you know, agreed with me on some of the issues, disagreed with me on some, but we came to an accommodation. Andrew Weissman gets appointed to the special counsel's office. He calls up the director and says, the man of Fort Ferret case, he says, oh, we've resolved that. He said, no, you haven't. I'm taking it over. I'm throwing out the resolution and I'm bringing criminal charges against it. I mean, so that's just one example. Uh, the the, the, the uh, foreign accounts that they they said I was hiding. In 2014, I sat with the FBI and gave them all those accounts did. and showed them how, how the banking system worked out of Ukraine because it wasn't my construct. Uh, so I was not only not hiding it, I gave it to the FBI. Names and, and, and account number, um, and so and that was just two examples that I talk about in the book. The point is, the system was it was a two tiered system of justice. The very same issues they were coming after me on, they were looking the other way uh, uh, on, uh, for Democrats. And then when I when I see them talking about uh, you know, going after uh, General Flynn on on the Logan Act anybody should have been indicted under the Logan, I was John Kerry for dealing with the mullahs, uh when Trump was president and, and he was undercutting Trump's Gulf policy. You don't ever you never heard anybody talk about that and, and right up to uh, you know, the way things are today with uh, with Hunter Biden and, and others. So it's uh, it's definitely a, a weaponization of the Justice Department. It's got to be cleared out. President said it. President Trump said it correctly. Uh, and I think the American people get that, too, which is why we're looking at having a, a, a wave election this November, because they, they understand that they what Trump did, what Biden is doing, it matters who's president, and their lives are not better off for the change. Yeah,
0: there's no doubt about Paul. This is a, a very powerful book. I couldn't put it down last night. I'm going to finish reading it tonight, folks. Everybody get this book. Political prisoner, persecuted, prosecuted, but not silenced by Paul Manafort. Great to have you on the show, sir. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't. You'll pay up Welcome back, everybody. I love every so often to bring someone on the show that was right a year, two years ago, but the rest of the world disagreed with him. And now he's definitely been found to have been right. Our next guest fits that category. One of the most ethical and I think one of the most prestigious medical researchers and medical minds in America. He's from Stanford University. He is Dr. Jay Bhattacharya. Dr. Bhattacharya, great to have you on today.
5: Good to be on. Thank you.
0: We broke a story just a little bit ago. My colleague Madeline Hubbard at Just the News. Uh, Inspector General has concluded that NIH, the main medical research agency in America, the one that gave us do- Dr. Fauci, uh, that it wasn't complying with federal rules. It wasn't reporting all of the negative data that occurred in human uh, experiments, medical experiments. Your thoughts on the significance of this uh, finding by the watchdog?
5: Yeah. So the uh, I guess the Office of the Inspector General did a report where they looked and saw looked to see whether. Uh, NIH grantees and the NIH itself was following its own regulations about reporting the results of clinical trials under this uh, federal database called the clinicaltrials.gov. That database is really important because normally the way the trials used to get reported was you get published in a paper in a journal, but they only published positive results. You never would see negative results of trials. Um, and so when the NIH doesn't follow the rule, essentially it's painting an incomplete Biased picture of what what its own money is is going to support, what taxpayer money is going to support as far as science is concerned. Um, so it really is concerning that the NIH hasn't been following these rules.
2: Dr. Bonitara, um, I remember when the CDC came out and told the American people, people who were apprehensive about getting the vaccine, about the M- MNRA element of it, the spike protein, they said that it doesn't last longer, doesn't stick around in your system, but for a couple weeks, and then they removed that from the website, and if that's not true, then that means that it does stay in your system, which, wh- what are the long-term implications of that?
5: Well, I think the mRNA vaccines, uh, the, the for the mo- for most people, the spike protein doesn't last in your system for more than for you know a week or two. Um, so I think that that, that uh, the, the the altering the website is I, I think this is a communication problem. Um, it it can uh, for some people cause side effects. We know for certain, for instance, in young men, that the mRNA vaccines cause high rate, uh, rates of myocarditis, inflammation of the heart, which can be quite serious. And there are other uh, problems that can happen with the vaccines. So I, I think the, the CDC has not been very good at forthrightly explaining to the American people exactly what the risks are, what the benefits are. I mean, they've told them what the benefits are, uh, but, they, but they haven't put that in context. And they follow this strategy of Vaccines of the COVID are equally important for every single person. When that's just not true for older people, people who haven't had COVID before, it's really important to be, to be vaccinated. For uh, younger people, especially kids, I mean, the the, the case, frankly, is much less uh, strong. Um, I think at the uh, the CDC had been more forthcoming about these kinds of considerations. There would be much less distrust when the CDC you know, updates a webpage the way it did.
0: Yeah. Um... Uh, You know, I was thinking of you the other day when I heard the CDC roll back all of its guidance and go to a guidance that sounded eerily familiar to the one you gave me in the spring of 2020. As this was raging, I look back now, they really castigated you in the public health space. They called you They basically accused you of being a loon for suggesting that the right way is to protect people who are vulnerable and let everybody else go out with the proper mitigation strategies and live life normal what, is it, what was it like to hear that the strategy you endorsed and got criticized for is now the prevailing strategy?
5: I <laughs> just say, John, I, I just said finally. It's it's frankly two years too late. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. wish that they, we had followed the strategy because we would have done so much less damage to our children, so much less damage to people with other health problems that would have had much more uh, n- normal normal life. And frankly, we would have done better with COVID as well because we wouldn't have diverted our attention away from the fundamental thing on COVID, which is that older people and people with chronic conditions, those are the people that needed protection. Right. Uh, a lockdown was never going to protect them because it's not possible for the society lockdown without causing tremendous harm, as we saw in China uh, recently in Shanghai. Uh, so I think uh, it's 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 about time. And I'm glad the CDC has finally come this direction. I wish actually that the CDC would make a bigger, bigger deal of it. I mean, they really have fundamentally changed strategy. They should tell American people that because there's still so many people with anxiety around COVID and demanding uh, restrictions that have not been harmful and not not actually work for anything uh, the Cdc it's 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 amazing to me that it, that it's taken this long
2: yeah yeah you should get to have a well-deserved round of told you sos <laughs> um, but while we're talking about you know I, I want to ask you about the optics surrounding vaccines because so much of covid was shrouded in mystery people didn't understand they were getting mixed messaging from the NIH and the CDC. And one of the biggest concerns now is that not just for COVID vaccines or or new pandemic vaccines, but for vaccines that have been around for 20, 30, 40, in some cases, 80 years on our children. We're now seeing these instances of polio found in New York City's water supply. And I think that for me, the biggest concern is that there's been a huge blow to the institution of vaccinations and inoculations in general. Is that a concern for you going forward?
5: It is a concern for me. It's been a concern throughout the pandemic. When people lose trust in public health, this is exactly the kind of thing that happens. Uh, this, this particular case in New York City, I think, arose because uh, we stopped doing polio vaccination campaigns around the world in, in poor parts of the world. I think some of this, the polio that's it's in the New York City is, is because of that failure to, to continue to vaccinate the way we knew we should um, around the world. But at the same time, we're also seeing vaccine hesitancy come back in the United States. Uh, parents are not vaccinating their children. You know, like it's, it's that the uptick is, is like, uh, it's is as mo- is modest, but but still concerning for essential vaccines like MMR, uh, DPT, you know, polio. Those are really, really important vaccines because those diseases, if kids get it, are really harmful to kids. Um, and so uh, it's the, the public health authorities really need to work very hard to, to try to regain the trust of the American public so that uh, they can actually become authority figures that people look to rather than what's happened over COVID, which is that they really uh, destroyed their credibility. Yeah.
0: One of the things I know is important to the scientific scientific method is dissent, being able to see contrarian views and taking them into account. That was basically outlawed for two years, including yourself, despite your prestigious record. Got about 30 seconds left. The danger of censorship in medicine. It, It is a public health hazard, isn't it?
5: It, it absolutely is. Uh, science is an evolving field. It, it it requires people who say, no, I don't think that's the way it works. And then a discussion, a good faith discussion. When you silence it, you stop science. And when you stop science, you stop, uh, you, know, you stop deserving the credibility of the American people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, doctor, I am so grateful that for two and a half years, you never silenced yourself. You kept telling us the truth. And now we have a government that finally agrees with you. But Your courage, because I know it wasn't easy, is greatly appreciated by many millions of Americans. Thanks for joining us today. Great to have you on. Thank you both. We'll be right back after these commercial messages.
2: Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad free? Welcome back, everybody. Our next guest is the president of the U.S. Oil and Gas Association. And although I'm pretty sure Joe Biden isn't calling him up for advice, we certainly are. Tim Stewart, good to see you again. Thanks for being on the show.
6: Thanks for having me, you guys. Appreciate it.
2: All right. I filled up my tank this morning. It was only $80 this time instead of $110. A few weeks ago, the Biden administration taking a victory lap on the fact that gas prices have fallen. They're still significantly higher than they were uh, during President Trump's administration. But talk to us about these gas prices. Where do you think they're going? Will they fall further? Basically, I'm asking you when I need to fill up my tank again.
6: Well, you know, I think you probably fill up the tank when you need it. Uh, And to our credit, I think from the industry's perspective, we've raced to get the extra production up. And the refiners have done a great job. To bring those prices down. But you know, Amanda, part of the problem is uh, um, the administration has taken a, a victory lap, but the reality is there's some still market distortions going on primarily from the strategic petroleum reserve, which has been, as you know, dumping a million barrels a day uh, into the market since uh, for the last several weeks now. And those are slated to end sometime in mid-October uh, when those drawdowns are supposed to be complete. And so the administration needs to be careful not to take too much of a victory lap and patting themselves on the back, because the reality is, is once those those drawdowns are done, I think you're going to see prices start to, to creep back up because we're looking at inventories and we're looking at number of rigs in the air right now. And we're seeing uh, probably prices start to creep up in the in the mid fall.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be worrisome. We'll be headed back to school and we we'll our wallets will be a little lighter again. I want to ask about something that came out this week: the extraordinary profits that the Saudi state-owned oil company registered. Uh, the, I think the largest profits of any company in world history. Uh, the Biden administration, which said it was against the Saudis over Khashoggi and all these different things, they just made the Saudis uh, pretty wealthy, didn't they?
6: Well, they did. I mean, it was it's a, comb- a combination of sort of bad international policy, bad international energy policy. Um, and look, the, the Saudis have made bank, uh, the problem is when they're making bank off of you and me, and that's, that's problematic again, the, the U S production, the U S producers really is where the top priority should be for the administration as to where Americans are getting their crude and their gasoline products from. And the reality is, is the Saudis have a global global presence. Obviously they, they have a huge swath with regards to their ability to impact global prices. And the reality is, is you know, two years ago, John, we talked about this two years ago, the Saudis and the Russians were responding to what the U.S. industry was doing. Uh, and we're not in that situation anymore. And we need to get back to where, where we're the ones calling the shots, not the Saudis.
2: Absolutely where we need to be. And hopefully it will be that way. Uh, soon after maybe a new Congress moves in. I wanted to ask you, I saw this recent re- report from Bloomberg about uh, big tech companies like Amazon and Microsoft in bed with oil and gas. What is this about?
6: Well, you know, to to the degree that we're in bed with uh, Microsoft and Amazon, it's basically on anything from their, their web services to to their software. And the reality is we're not any different than than the automotive industry or the pharmaceutical industry or what have you. The, the oil and gas industry is a big tech industry in and of itself, and we never get credit for it. That's one thing that's really frustrating to me is how technologically advanced we are and how people think that we're some sort of fossilized industry with no pun intended. You know, the reality is, uh, Amanda John, the oil and gas industry has more green patents every year than any other industry. We're the ones who are actually leading sort of this, this green technology evolution because of the amount of, of uh, resources we're investing And I think probably what you're seeing on that Microsoft Amazon uh, report is the other side trying to shame, you know, other industries from from working with with the oil and gas industry. It's not going to work. We're a huge unit of ourselves. And frankly, we're a big part of both of those companies business anyway.
2: Okay. And I wanted to ask you, you know, assuming Republicans win back the House in January, we're not really sure what will happen in the Senate. And and to be fair, we don't know what will happen in the House, but a lot of people hypothesize that Republicans will take it back. What do you expect to change to change with respect to policy and how U.S. Oil and Gas Association, but the oil and gas industry in general will benefit from uh, new leadership in the House?
6: Well, you know, that's a great question. And frankly, we're hopeful because the current leadership is really, really frustrating. I've been jokingly saying to people, look, we'll go fossil free in 23, frankly, if we can get some of the fossilized leadership in the House Democratic Party to to go away and uh, bring in some new blood. I'm happy to go fossil free if we can. Uh, The the issue, I think, is what we found is historically, if there is a Republican Congress, they are far more... um, Uh, understanding of the existing laws that are in place, for example, the existing leasing laws that are in place. And they they take action to move the agency either through the authorization or the appropriations process to actually do their job and, and follow the law that's already on the books. And so we look forward to that. I also think there's some opportunities for some significant oversight uh, as to who's actually calling the shots in these agencies and why isn't the Department of Interior actually following the law when it comes to leasing and why isn't the Department of Energy actually doing their, their part with both with regards to both fossil and carbon management. There's some real opportunities there, I think, uh, and we're, we're looking forward to that change. I think, again, once, once you start to hold uh, people into the microscope, they have a tendency to, to be a little more responsive.
0: Yeah, it's funny how accountability works that way. Tim, I want to ask a little bit. I want to turn our attention just real quickly overseas, because as the Russia-Ukraine war drags on and Putin has made clear he's going to use the geopolitical strength of his own energy supply, uh, could we be heading into a difficult winter where we see the sort of suffering we haven't seen in Eastern Europe in a very long time? Absolutely.
6: You know, I I, I had an interesting conversation with representatives from from an Eastern European country today. Uh, and we've been working actually very closely with them over the last several months, shortly after the Ukrainian invasion took place. We call them the Coalition of the Nervous because they're very much on the front lines and the impacts there. And uh, I, they're desperate, I think, to have alternative forms of energy and, and options available, but they've been so important. They reached out so uh, uh, with, with repeatedly to the U.S. oil and gas industry saying, can you help us? Can you help us either develop our own resources or make sure that we've got a a a supply chain that's available to us. You know, John, the interesting thing is, is what we're seeing Europe itself go through right now are based on policies that were implemented in the IRA Bill last week, we're only a few years behind where Europe is right now. And there's some serious lessons to be learned from that. The first of which is we've got to make sure we've got baseload for all of our power grid and that baseload is both full and reliable. And that's where natural gas comes in for the United States. I think that is the the real important lesson. And we will sleepwalk through history if we don't pay attention to that right now. So
0: important to remind people that. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, Tim, the, the green energy lobby was certainly padding the pockets of the right politicians because within this latest legislation that's supposed to reduce inflation, was a whole lot of climate garbage. Uh, but then Joe, Joe, Joe Manchin came around and said, well, yeah, but you've got to do this. You've got to lift a little bit of the red tape for oil and gas. And then green energy relented. And it just kind of seems like the green lobby is a cheap date at this point.
6: Well, you know, everybody has their price in Washington, I guess, right? As the saying goes. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the reality is, is that the Green New Deal is implemented. It's been funded, maybe not to the $6 trillion level that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren wanted, but between the infrastructure bill and the bill that was just passed, plus uh, the, uh, the CHIPS bill, there's uh, hundreds of billions of dollars to, to implement the Green New Deal. And that's the reality that we face going forward. The issue, though, is to Senator Manchin's point, He's trying to extract additional permitting streamlining going forward, and he extracted that promise, that commitment from uh, Senator Schumer and Speaker Pelosi to do that in September, uh, likely attached to the continuing resolution bill. The reality is is how firm will that commitment actually be to, to streamline when the Democrats in the House and Senate have already gotten virtually everything they want, maybe not funded at the level that they wanted we're a little bit skeptical that that bill's actually going to pass, but that will be very interesting to see what happens there because that may actually have some, some things help for our industry to, to permit, uh, streamline permits. I that. Oh,
2: man. Well, Tim, we always appreciate having you on and uh, appreciate the information, the wealth of information that you bring to the show. So thank you so much
6: for being here. Great to be with you guys. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thanks.
2: All right. Energy is on everyone's mind. Of course, gas prices and Tim's right. You know, you got to fill up your gas when you need it. But I uh, I would advise that everyone before October and before the strategic petroleum reserve runs out, everybody just go get your motorcycle license or go buy a bicycle or learn how to roller skate because that's certainly how I'm going to have to try to get around Los Angeles because our gas prices are already over $5. So everybody stay here. We've got much more coming up after these commercial breaks.
0: Folks, thanks for joining us on a Sunday. Thanks for joining us every day. Every day you listen, every day you go to JustinNews.com, every day you tune into Real America's Voice and see the Justin News, Not Noise television show. I'm humbled. I'm grateful. I appreciate the community that we're building together. We all care about truth and we all care about facts, and we're trying our hardest at Justin News. We're not perfect. We'll probably let you down from time to time, but we're committed to getting your truth, committed to keeping opinion out of our stories and letting you have the facts, and you make up your own mind. That's why, as part of every story, our reporters have the Dig In tool, which exposes their reporter's notebook to you. If you're reading a story and you say, you know, I want to check this myself. I, I don't trust the report. I want to look at it myself. We make that possible. There's a little tab above the story called Dig In. You click on that, whether you're on mobile, desktop, or wherever you are, in the app, the Just the News app that you can download, click in it, And then everything that the reporter used to build that story, the documents, the video, the audio, it's all in the digging tool there for you to use. You can check us. Sometimes you find things that we don't see. We love when that happens because this is a news community. It's not just a news service. We wanted to build a community with you, people who are concerned about the country's future, concerned about having the right facts, believing that they haven't gotten all the facts that they need from the current corporate medium. Well, that's why we built this. And so every time you listen, every time you engage, every time you are a part of any part of our product line, every time you support one of our advertisers, you're helping our mission. And we are grateful to have you in our family. And on this Sunday, as we finish out another great August weekend, I just have one wish. I hope God blesses you and your family abundantly. And that he continues to bless this incredible country that we call the United States of America. Signing off on a Sunday, it's John Solomon and John Solomon Reports. We'll be back to you tomorrow. And in the meantime, whatever you need a news fix, you know what to do. Go to justthenews.com. We got you covered 24-7. History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not or even if you did like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis with my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, today. How do you do that? Go right now to hillsdale.edu justnews to start. It's free, and it's easy to get started, and it's an easy URL to remember. All you got to do, go to hillsdale.edu justnews. One more time, hillsdale.edu slash justnews. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out.